Book Twenty Three, Part Two of the Iliad of Homer, rendered into English blank verse by Edward Earl of Derby. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Your reader, Michael Armenta. Meanwhile, the chieftains seated in the ring looked for the cars that scoured the dusty plain. The first to see them was Idomeneus, the Cretan king, for he, without the ring, was posted high aloft, and from afar he heard and knew the foremost horseman's voice. Well, too, he knew the gallant horse that led, all baying the rest, but on his front alone, a star of white, full-orbed as the moon. Then up he rose, and thus the Greeks addressed. O friends, the chiefs and counsellors of Greece, can ye too see, or I alone, the cars? A different chariot seems to me in front, a different charioteer, and they who first were leading must have met with some mischance. I saw them late, ere around the goal they turned, but see them now no more, though all around my eyes explore the wide-spread plain of Troy. Perhaps the charioteer has dropped the reins, or round the goal he could not hold the mares. Perchance has missed the turn, and on the plain is lying now beside his broken car, while from the course his mettled steeds have flown. Stand up and look yourselves, I cannot well distinguish. But to me it seems a chief who reigns o'er the Greeks, though of Aetolian race, the son of Tydeus, valiant Diomed. Sharply, Oileus's active son replied, Idomeneus, why thus before the time so rashly speak, while the high-stepping steeds are speeding yet across the distant plain? Thine eyes are not the youngest in the camp, nor look they out the sharpest from thy head. But thou art ever hasty in thy speech, and ill becomes thee this precipitance, since others are there here, thy betters far. The same are leading now, that led at first Eumelus's mares. Tis he that holds the reins. To whom in anger thus the Cretan chief. Ajax, at wrangling good, in judgment not and for aught else among the chiefs of greece of small account so stubborn is thy soul wilt thou a tripod or a cauldron stake and agamemnon atreus's son appoint the umpire to decide whose steeds are first so shalt thou gain thy knowledge at thy cost he said up sprang Oileus's active son, in anger to reply. 
and farther yet had gone the quarrel but achilles's self stood up and thus the rival chiefs addressed forbear both ajax and idomeneus this bitter interchange of wordy war it is not seemly and yourselves i know another would condemn who so should speak but stay ye here and seated in the ring their coming wait then hurrying to the goal we'll soon be here and then shall each man know whose horses are the second whose the first thus said but tydeus's son drew near his lash still laid upon his horse's shoulder points as lightly they high stepping scoured the plain still on the charioteer the dust was flung as close upon the flying-footed steeds followed the car with gold and tin inlaid and lightly as they flew along were left impressed the wheel-tracks on the sandy plain there in the midst he stood the sweat profuse down pouring from his horses heads and chests down from the glittering car he leaped to earth and leaned his whip against the chariot yoke nor long delayed the valiant sthenelus but eagerly sprang forth to claim the prize then to his brave companions gave in charge to lead away the woman and to bear the tripod while himself unyoked the steeds next came the horses of antilochus who had by stratagem and not by speed or menelaus triumphed yet e'en so atrides's flying coursers pressed him hard for but so far as from the chariot wheel a horse when harnessed to a royal car whose tail back streaming with the utmost hairs brushes the fellows close before the wheel small space between he scours the wide-spread plain so far was menelaus in the rear of nestor's son at first a discus's cast between them lay but rapidly his ground gained so well the speed and courage served of ethe agamemnon's beauteous mare and but a little farther were the course had passed him by nor left the race in doubt behind the noble son of atreus came a javelin's flight apart meriones the faithful follower of idomeneus his were the slowest horses and himself the least experienced in the rapid race dragging his broken car came last of all his horses driven in front admetus's son achilles swift of foot with pity saw and to the greeks his winged words addressed see where the best of all the last appears 
but let him take as meet the second prize the first belongs of right to tydeus's son thus he they all assented to his words and by the general voice of greece the mare had now been his but noble nestor's son antilochus stood up his right to claim and to achilles peleus's son replied achilles thou wilt do me grievous wrong if thou thy words accomplish for my prize thou takest away because mishap befell his car and horses by no fault of his yet had he to the immortals made his prayer he surely had not thus been last of all but pitying him if so thy mind incline thy tents contain good store of gold and brass and sheep and female slaves and noble steeds for him of these hereafter mayst thou take a prize of higher value or e'en now and with the applause of all but for the mare i will not give her up and let who will stand forth my own right hand shall guard my prize he said and smiled achilles swift of foot delighted for he loved the noble youth to whom his winged words he thus addressed antilochus if such be thy request that for eumelus i should add a prize and to him i give my breastplate from esteropius one of brass around whose edge is rolled a stream of shining tin a gift of goodly price he said and bade automedon his friend and comrade bring the breastplate from his tent he went and brought it in eumelus's hand he placed it he with joy the gift received then menelaus sad at heart arose burning with wrath against antilochus and while the herald in the monarch's hand his royal sceptre placed and bade the greeks keep silence thus the godlike hero spoke antilochus till now reputed wise what hast thou done thou hast impugned my skill and shamed my horses who hast brought thine own inferior far before them to the goal but come ye chiefs and counsellors of greece judge ye between us favouring neither side that none of all the brass-clad greeks may say that menelaus hath by false reports or born antilochus and holds his prize his horses fairly worsted and himself triumphant only by superior power 
nor come now i myself will judgment give nor deem i any greek will find to blame in my decision for tis fair and just antilochus come forward noble chief and standing as tis meet before the car and horses in thy hand the slender whip wherewith thou drovest upon the horses lay thy hand and by earth-shaking neptune swear that not of malice and by set design thou didst by fraud impede my chariot's course to whom antilochus with prudent speech have patience with me yet for i o king o menelaus am thy junior far my elder and superior thee i own thou knowest the o'er-eager vehemence of youth how quick in temper and in judgment weak set then thy heart at ease the mare i won i freely give and if aught else of mine thou shouldst desire would sooner give it all than all my life be lowered illustrious king in thine esteem and sin against the gods thus saying noble nestor's son led forth and placed in menelaus's hands a mare the monarch's soul was melted like the dew which glitters on the ears of growing corn that bristle o'er the plain e'en so thy soul o menelaus melted at his speech to whom were thus addressed thy winged words antilochus at once i lay aside my anger thou art prudent and not apt to be thus led astray but now thy youth thy judgment hath o'erpowered seek not henceforth by trickery or thine elders to prevail to any other man of all the greeks i scarce so much had yielded but for that thyself hast laboured much and much endured thou thy good sire and brother in my cause i yield me to thy prayers and give to boot the mare though mine of right i am not of a harsh unyielding mood he said and to noemon gave in charge the faithful comrade of antilochus the mare himself the glittering cauldron took of gold two talents to the fourth assigned forth in the race meriones received still the fifth prize a face with double cup remained achilles this to nestor gave before the assembled greeks as thus he spoke take this old man and for an heirloom keep 
in memory of patroclus's funeral games whom thou no more amid the greeks shalt see freely i give it thee for thou no more canst box or wrestle or in sportive strife the javelin throw or race with flying feet for age with heavy hand hath bowed thee down he said and placed it in his hand the old man received with joy the gift and thus replied all thou hast said my son is simple truth no firmness now my limbs and feet retain nor can my arms with freedom as of old straight from the shoulder right and left strike out oh that such youth and vigour yet were mine as when the apeans in buprasium held the royal amarynceus's funeral games and when the monarch's sons his prizes gave then could not one of all the apian race or pylians or aetolians vie with me in boxing clytomedes enops's son i vanquished then anchis who stood up to wrestle with me i with ease or through i ficlis i outran though fleet of foot in hurling with the spear with phileus strove and polydorus and surpassed them both the sons of actor in the chariot race alone o'ercame me as in number more and grudging more my triumph since remained this contest to reward the richest prize they were twin brothers one who held the reins still drove and drove the other plied the whip such was i once but now must younger men engage in deeds like these and i the chief of heroes once must bow to weary age but honour thou with fitting funeral games thy comrade i accept well pleased thy gift my heart rejoicing that thou still retain'st of me a kindly memory nor o'erlook'st the place of honour which among the greeks belongs to me of right for this the gods reward thee with a worthy recompense he said achilles listened to the praise of neleus's son then joined the general throng next he set forth the prizes to reward the labours of the sturdy pugilists a hardy mule he tethered in the ring unbroken six years old most hard to tame 
and for the vanquished man a double cup. Then rose, and to the Greeks proclaimed aloud, Thou son of Atreus, and ye well-grieved Greeks, for these we bid two champions brave stand forth, and in the boxer's manly toil contend, and he, whose stern endurance Phoebus crowns with victory, recognized by all the Greeks, he to his tent shall lead the hardy mule. The loser shall the double cup receive. He said. Up sprang Apius, tall and stout, a boxer skilled, the son of Panopeus, who laid his hand upon the mule, and said, Stand forth, if any care the cup to win. The mule, methinks, no Greek can bear away from me, who glory in the champion's name. Is't not enough that in the battlefield I claim no special praise? Tis not for man in all things to excel. But this I say, and will make good my words. Who meets me here, I mean to pound his flesh and smash his bones. See that his seconds be at hand, and prompt to bear him from the ring, by me subdued. He said, they all in silence heard his speech. Only Euryalus, the godlike chief, son of Mesistheus, Teleon's son, stood forth opposing. He had once in Thebes joined in the funeral games of Oedipus, and there had vanquished all of Cadmian race. On him attended valiant Diomed, with cheering words and wishes of success. Around his waist he fastened first the belt, then gave the well-cut gauntlets for his hands, of wild bull's hide. When both were thus equipped, into the centre of the ring they stepped. There, face to face, with sinewy arms upraised, they stood a while, then closed. Strong hand with hand mingling in rapid interchange of blows, dire was the clatter of their jaws, the sweat poured forth profuse from every limb. Then rushed Apius on, and full upon the cheek, half turned aside, let fall a staggering blow. Nor stood Euryalus, but legs and feet knocked from beneath him, prone to earth he fell. And as a fish that flounders on the sand, thrown by rude Boreas on the weedy beach, till covered o'er by the returning wave, so floundered he beneath that stunning blow. But 
brave Apius took him by the hand and raised him up. His comrades crowded round and bore him from the field with dragging steps, spitting forth clotted gore, his heavy head rolling from side to side. Within his tent they laid him down unconscious. To the ring, then, back returning, bore away the cup. Achilles next before the Greeks displayed the prizes of the hardy wrestlers' skill. The victor's prize, a tripod, vast, fireproof, and at twelve oxen by the Greeks appraised, and for the vanquished man a female slave, priced at four oxen, skilled in household work. Then rose and loudly to the Greeks proclaimed, Stand forth, whoe'er this contest will assay. He said, and straight uprose the giant form of Ajax Telamon. With him uprose Ulysses, skilled in every crafty wile. Girt with the belt, within the ring they stood, and each with stalwart grasp laid hold on each. As stands two rafters of a lofty house, each propping each, by skilful architect designed the tempest's fury to withstand. Creaked their backbones beneath the tug and strain of those strong arms, their sweat poured down like rain. And bloody wheels of livid purple hue, their sides and shoulders streaked, as sternly they, for victory and the well-wrought tripod, strove. Nor could Ulysses Ajax overthrow, nor Ajax bring Ulysses to the ground, so stubbornly he stood. But when the Greeks were weary of the long protracted strife, thus to Ulysses mighty Ajax spoke. Ulysses, sage, Laertes's godlike son, or lift thou me, or I will thee uplift. The issue of our struggle rests with Jove. He said, and raised Ulysses from the ground. Nor he his ancient craft remembered not, but locked his leg around, and striking sharp upon the hollow of the knee, the joint gave way, the giant Ajax backwards fell. Ulysses on his breast. The people saw and marvelled. Then, in turn, Ulysses strove Ajax to lift. A little way he moved, but failed to lift him fairly from the ground. Yet crooked his knee that both together fell, and side by side defiled with dust they lay. And now a third encounter they had tried, but rose Achilles 
and the combat stayed. Forbear, nor waste your strength in farther strife. Ye both are victors. Both then bear away in equal meed of honour, and withdraw that other Greeks may other contests wage. Thus spoke Achilles. They his words obeyed, and brushing off the dust, their garments donned. The prizes of the runners, swift of foot, Achilles next set forth. A silver bowl, six measures its content, for workmanship unmatched on earth, of Sidon's costliest art, the product rare, thence o'er the misty sea, brought by Phoenicians, who in port arrived, gave it to Tossus, by Euenus last, the son of Jason, to Patroclus paid, in ransom of Lycan, Priam's son, which now Achilles, on his friend's behalf, assigned as his reward, who e'er should prove the lightest foot and speediest in the race. A steer well fattened was the second prize, and half a talent for the third of gold. He rose, and to the Greeks proclaimed aloud, Stand forth, whoe'er this contest will essay. He said, Up rose Uelius's active son, Up rose Ulysses, skilled in every wile, And noble Nestor's son, Antilochus, Who all the youth in speed of foot surpassed. They stood in line, Achilles pointed out the limits of the course, as from the goal they stretched them to the race. Oileus's son first shot ahead, Ulysses following close, nor farther than the shuttle from the breast of some fair women, when her outstretched arm has thrown the wool athwart the warp, and back withdraws it toward her breast. So... Close behind, Ulysses pressed on Ajax, and his feet trod in his steps, ere settled yet the dust. His breath was on his shoulders, as the plain he lightly skimmed, the Greeks with eager shouts still cheering as he strained to win the prize. But as they neared the goal, Ulysses thus to blue-eyed Pallas made his mental prayer. Now hear me, goddess, and my feet be friend. Thus, as he prayed, his prayer the goddess heard, and all his limbs with active vigour filled. And as they stretched their hands to seize the prize, Tripped up by Pallas, Ajax slipped and fell, Amid the offal of the lowing kine, Which o'er Patroclus, Peleus's son, had slain. His mouth and nostrils were with offal filled, 
first in the race ulysses bore away the silver bowl the steer to ajax fell and as upon the horn he laid his hand sputtering the offal out he called aloud lo how the goddess has my steps bewrayed who guards ulysses with a mother's care thus as he spoke loud laughed the merry greeks antilochus the sole remaining prize received and laughing thus the greeks addressed i tell you friends but what yourselves do know how of the elder men the immortal gods take special care for ajax's years not much exceed my own but here we see a man one of former age and race of men a hale old man we call him but for speed not one can match him save achilles's self thus he with praise implied of peleus's son to whom in answer thus achilles spoke antilochus not unobserved of me nor unrewarded shall thy praise remain to thy half-talent add this second half thus saying in his hand he placed the gold antilochus with joy the gift received next in the ring the son of peleus laid a ponderous spear a helmet and a shield the spoil patroclus from sarpedon won then rose and loudly to the greeks proclaimed for these we call upon two champions brave to don their arms their sharp-edged weapons grasp and public trial of their prowess make and he who first his rival's flesh shall reach and through his armour piercing first draw blood he shall this silver-studded sword receive my trophy from asteropius one well wrought of thracian metal but the arms in common property they both shall hold and in my tent a noble banquet share he said uprose great ajax telamon and tydeus's son the valiant diomed first from the crowd apart they donned their arms then eager for the fight with haughty stare stood in the midst the greeks admiring gazed when each approaching other near they came thrice rushed they on and thrice in combat closed then through the buckler round of diomed great ajax drove his spear 
nor reached the point to Dides's body, but by the breastplate stayed, while, aimed above the mighty shield's defence, his glittering weapon flashed at Ajax's throat. For Ajax, fearing, shouted then the Greeks to seize the fight, and share alike the prize. But from Achilles's hand the mighty sword, with belt and scabbard, Diomed received. Next, in the ring, the son of Peleus placed a ponderous mass of iron, as a quoit, once wielded by Aetian's giant strength, but to the ships with other trophies borne, when by Achilles's hand Aetian fell. Then rose and loudly to the Greeks proclaimed, Stand forth, who e'er this contest will essay, this prize, who wins, though widely may extend his fertile fields, for five revolving years it will his wants supply. Nor to the town, for lack of iron, with this mass in store, need he his shepherd or his ploughman send. He said, and valiant Polypetes rose, Epeus and Leontius's godlike strength, and mighty Ajax, son of Telamon. Epeus first upraised the ponderous mass, and through the air hurled it, amid the laughter of the Greeks. Next came Leontius, scion true of Mars. The third was Ajax from whose stalwart hand beyond the farthest mark the missile flew. But when the valiant Polypetes took the quoit in hand, far as a herdsman throws his staff, that, whirling, flies among the herd, so far beyond the ring's extremest bound he threw the ponderous mass. Loud were the shouts, and noble Polypetes' comrades rose, and to the ships the monarch's gift conveyed. The archer's prizes next, of iron whore, ten sturdy axes, double-edged, he placed, and single hatchets ten. Then, far away, reared on the sand, dark-browed vessel's mast, on which, with slender string, a timorous dove was fastened by the foot the archer's mark. He, that who should strike the dove, should to his tent the axes bear away. But who the string should sever, but should fail to strike the bird, as less in skill the hatchets should receive. Thus spoke Achilles. Straight up rose the might of royal Teucer, and Meriones, the faithful follower of Idomeneus. They, in a brass-bound helmet, shook the lots. The first 
was Teucer's. With impetuous force he shot, but vowed not to the archer-king of firstling lambs a solemn hecatomb. The dove he struck not, for the archer-god withheld his aid, but close beside her foot the arrow severed the retaining string. The bird, released, soared heavenward, while the string dropped from the mast suspended towards the earth, and loudly shouted their applause the Greeks. Then snatched Meriones in haste the bow from Teucer's hand. His own already held his arrow, pointed straight. He drew the string, and to the far-destroying king he vowed of firstling lambs a solemn hecatomb. Aloft amid the clouds he marked the dove, and struck her as she soared beneath the wing. Right through the arrow passed, and to the earth returning fell beside Meriones. The bird upon the dark-proud vessel's mast lighted a while, anon with trooping head and pinions fluttering vain, afar she fell lifeless the admiring crowd with wonder gazed meriones the axes bore away while teucer to the ships the hatchets bore last in the ring the son of peleus laid a ponderous spear and cauldron burnished bright priced at an ox's worth, untouched by fire, for those who with the javelin would contend. Up rose then Agamemnon, king of men, the son of Atreus, and Meriones, the faithful follower of Idomeneus. But Peleus's godlike son addressed them thus, how far, Atrides, thou excell'st us all, and with the javelin, what thy power and skill, pre-eminent, we know. Take thou this prize, and bear it to thy ships, and let us give to brave Moriones the brazen spear. If so it please thee, such were my advice. He said, and Agamemnon, king of men, assenting, gave to brave Meriones his brazen spear, while in Talthybius's care his herald placed the king his noble prize. End of Book Twenty Three, Part Two.